And if I could invite Reverend Catherine to come up. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. It's my honor to be part of our teen program, and our teens have just come back from camp. So I'd like to introduce to you Rydell, Lisa, Gabrielle, Jessica, Jesse, and Jamie, and Fox has made it. Awesome. Good. Anyone else I missed? Nope. Good. I also want to uh, extend a very special thank you to Sandra Gibbs and David Brown, who went to camp with the teens this year. It's always a really, really big commitment, and I appreciate them and their time and love. And now we're going to hear a little bit about the experiences of camp. Good morning. I, my experience is I want to tell you what a wonderful youth group we have here in Edmonton. There were teens there from all over the United States. We were the only Canadian group. And we got many, many compliments about how wonderful, how committed, how sweet, how nice. And it was just awesome to hear that all week. So this is a group of really committed uh, teens, and I really want you to acknowledge them either today or when you see them in the coming weeks, because they're, they're here to stay. Hi, my name is Rydell, and I'm 15 years old, and this was my third summer camp. I loved every second of it, from the workshops and bawling my eyes out, to rec time and laughing my head off. Even our quiet times that we got to spend with ourselves... During one of my quiet times, it really hit me that everyone loves me for me, even if they don't know me. Gotta love our unconditional love. But the best part is, at camp, we don't have to say I love you or give compliments because we're trying to be nice, and that's the kind of thing that we do. Well, we do it, but we say it because we mean it. I can look into someone's eyes, look past race and gender and all that jazz, and know that I love them for who they are, and they love me for who I am. And that's what our whole camp is about. Our theme this year was Namaste to Stay. The God self, or the love in me, sees the God self, the love in you. And when you say it is here to stay, it's not to stay at camp in California and wait till we see it again next year. It's to stay in our hearts and take with us wherever we go. Hi, I'm Jessica. Um, this is my first camp. I'm 15. And I second everything that Rydell said because it's very true. And even though the beds are a little small, the toilets don't totally work. Um, this camp is incredible. It, it's just mind-blowing. And everything that you learn at camp and you see at camp, you take home. And it's so incredible how embraceive the whole community is and what we learn about ourselves and about everybody else at camp. And it's, it's incredible. <laughs> After hearing all those things, how wonderful it is, I shall say how it is wonderful. Throughout camp, we did a variety of things like different workshops working on release, forgiveness, and namaste to stay. We had hootenanny, uh, talent shows, a concert, advisors sharing, a dance, and much more. Throughout camp, I learned how to open up and release. I'm Jessie, and I'm 13. This was my very first camp. And when everyone started talking about summer camp, they were like, oh my gosh, it's so life-changing. It's so amazing. And I was like, well, how life-changing can it really be? And now I truly know how amazing it is to just be there with all these people that truly care and love you for who you are. 
I'm Gabrielle, and um, I just wanted to say thank you for all of your support and for helping us get to camp because it was my last year this year, and I just I can't even begin to say how thankful I am for all your help and support for getting me there. Thank you. And just quickly, because I'm known for talking a lot, so I just want to say thank you to everyone that supported us to get there and back. And I'm really surprised myself that uh, I was able to get them there and back. No incidents. That's okay, David. I trusted you. <laughs> thank you very much, everyone, and thank you for the support of our teen program. So I will invite you now to become centered and grounded in this moment as we set the tone for our talk this morning with affirmative prayer. So knowing the one power, the one presence, the presence that is all there is, that is infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, it is who and what I am, for I am expressing it in each and every moment. So in this moment, I choose to live my best life ever. I choose health and vitality and vibrancy. I choose love and peace and harmony in every area of my life. I choose consciously to be aware of what I'm thinking and creating in my experience and choosing the good for my life right here and right now. I choose to live an abundant life, allowing myself to come into alignment with my truth and the truth of spirit by means of me, knowing that all good is available to me right here and right now, and I open myself up to see it, to claim it, and to be it. So I know right here and right now, I am here in the right place at the right time, ready to hear a message that speaks to me today that I can put into action in my life experience to create this best life for me right here and right now. So I do that in this spiritual community with love, with peace, with grace. And I'm so grateful for the spiritual community to be able to come together to learn, to grow, and to transform. So I know right here, right now, that I am namaste, to stay within my heart, for that is the truth of who and what I am. So I allow this to be, I allow it to be my truth always. I let it go, and I invite you to stay with me, and so it is. So it's my great honor to give you a little bit of information about our guest speaker. You've heard a little bit about her this morning already. Dr. Gale did start this community in 1983 and then went on to found the Victoria Center for Self-Awareness 26 years ago. She's recently retired from that center. And she started these centers so that she could uplift people and allow people to be empowered in their daily, everyday lives. She is considered to be one of the foremost cutting-edge leaders in New Thought in Canada, and she's dedicated to allowing this growth of New Thought to occur within our fabulous country. Gail continuously reminds people of their spiritual, magnificent, intrinsic potential. She has been the past president of the New Thought Alliance, and in 1977 experienced a near death experience and experienced a rapid healing following that. It made a tremendous impact on her, her life, and on many people around her. 
Right now, she's most passionate about family and relationship, and that's because she has lots of experience with that. After being married for 31 years, widowed for five, she's recently remarried to Dr. John Muzio two years ago. And with that, she has a very large extended family, 12 children, 22 grandchildren, and nine great-grandchildren. Passion is family and relationship for Dr. Gail Muzio. Please welcome her to the stage as she speaks on making relationships work as never before. Dr. Gail. Good morning. Good morning. 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 Thank you. I just want to look at you for a moment so that I can really be with you. It's really wonderful to be up here, you know. Thank you, Catherine, for that introduction and for that wonderful prayer and the music department and Elizabeth and my sound person back there. Thank you. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. Not only being here today, but being here at the wonderful center that you keep recreating and creating all the time. And also, thank you for bringing your children if you do that. I want to ask you if you'd consider this for a moment. You are your children's model for spirituality. You are your children's model for relationships. Are you a good teacher? Not only your children, but really anyone that comes into contact with you. Anyone. So, I like to say relationships are the best seminar in town. I think I did a workshop here about that. And whether it's people in in your life that are close, or maybe that you just meet very casually, you may be the only relationship seminar they ever go to. (laughs) So my question to you is, do you hold relationship as a top priority in your life? Whenever I ask a question, I pause because I really want you to look at that. And I would not ask you any question that I myself haven't delved into deeply. So my topic, as several people have already said, making relationships work as never before, three things I want to address. What if that, making relationships work as never before, was an art? To learn. And are you willing to learn that art? And number two, are you willing to apply what you've learned in that art daily so that it almost becomes a, an artful science that you live all the time? And then number three, not only living in love, I know a lot of you are in love, but are we willing to live as love? Are we willing to live as love? 
We're living in a very, very transformational time right now. And I won't go into all of the evidences, but they're there all the time. We're shifting from living reactively, unconsciously, and reactively from our patterns that maybe we don't even know we have. We're shifting to being very consciously aware, and I like to say conscious living as a lifestyle. Are you willing to be that in your life, in relationships? Conscious living as a lifestyle. Are you willing to have a breakthrough in your relationships? Now, a breakthrough is something that happens that's unlike your reality up to that point. Are you willing to have that in your relationships? So first of all, my first point was the art. It's it's an art. Whenever I took workshops, and believe me, I have been taking workshops, I do not want to remind you or let you know how many years. But whenever I took a workshop, I, was a, I would usually sit in the front row, you know, and take notes, and, and then I'd look, look at the notes, and please, if you're making notes, read them within the first 24 hours, you will have up to 80% retention. Don't put them in a drawer. And I'd look at the notes, and I'd usually pick something that spoke to me. One of the things a long time ago that I had on my fridge for a long time was, and I don't even remember who taught me this, so it's not mine, but I used it, and I continue to use it. And I think I've said this here before, but whenever I repeat anything in an audience, it's not because I'm running out of things to say. It's because it's so important, and it makes an impact in your life. So this is one little goodie. Love without honesty is hypocrisy. Honesty without love can be cruel. I'll just kind of leave that there with you for a moment. Our parents were our relationship teachers. They were our models. So, a couple of questions. How was it in your home? Was there open communication? Or was communication shut down? I had to learn all about relationships because I grew up in a very dysfunctional home and family. Again, looking at your own home parenting, how you grew up. Was it an empowering, inspiring place to grow up in? Or perhaps it was the other polarity. It may have been abusive. We gravitate toward the familiar. Barbara DeAngelis, who I studied many years ago, and I think she's still a wonderful relationship um, teacher, she was at one time married to John, John Gray, and they've both written books. But she, she says this, there's the going home syndrome. So here's the thing. If at home, the home environment was abusive or even one of abandonment, 
we get it set in our mind, our mind concludes that that's what love is. Because that was our home. If our home was full of fear and tension, that's what we relate to and think about and our mind sets up as, well, love is like that. If our home was filled with criticism, then we may make that connection that love is criticism. So it's really good for you to just think about that if you kind of go home that way in your relationships and if you're modeling your home life and whether it was something that was empowering, loving, and inspiring. Now, making relationships work as never before does not take effort, it does not take struggle, but it does take time, time, it does take energy, and it takes attention, all those things to create a healthy, loving, supportive relationship. In my late marriage, uh, it was mentioned I was married for 31 years, and many of you know Norman, he, he died seven years ago. But we, at that time, blended together nine children. And seven of them lived at home, at our, in our home. And I'll tell you, I don't think we would have made it in that blended family. I, I need to correct that. Seven lived at home, then six lived at home, then five lived at home, then four lived at home, like that. But I don't think we would have made it in our blended family if I wasn't already studying new thought, reading books about new thought, and starting to go to a center later on in new thought. Wow. I remember one time saying to him, I love you, and I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but one of the things, and I said earlier about creating this, this wonderful relationship, is attention and time. We took time for each other, and we took holidays by ourselves without our children. Also, holidays with them but we took time to be with one another and to recreate the magic that brought us together. And sometimes you may say, well, you know, it takes money and da-da-da. Mm. You trade babysitters with a friend, you ask her to do or them to do for you what you would do for them, and just even if you can't get away overnight, go to a park for the day. You know, don't make excuse, don't make the excuse we can't afford to do that. Uh, I've led prosperity workshops too, so I won't even go there right now. <laughs> All right. So now I'm speaking about my third marriage. My first marriage ended in divorce after 12 years. And then I was married for 31 years and widowed. And uh, when John and I met, he's at the Indy race this morning. <laughs> a 
When John and I met, and you'll hear a little more about this in the workshop this afternoon, about being choosy in relationships, we spent so much time together, not watching TV, not going to movies, and we did a little of that, but just being together and getting to know each other and being, I like to say, telling the microscopic truth <laughs> like that. And I won't go into that in any more detail right now. But I did say to him, I have very high criteria if I'm ever going to be in another committed relationship. Very high criteria. And I'm very clear about what I don't want and what I do want. That's a big thing in making relationships work. I remember many, many, many years ago in Edmonton, Val Vandewell used to teach a seminar called OSES Seminars, Success Seminars. And I remember I went to the first module. It was a 10-week series. He's passed on now. But um, he said, uh, you better, I want you to, in the next week, be very, very clear about what you want because I'm going to tell you how to create it. Back then, they didn't use the word law of attraction and stuff like that. And do you know what I did? I went home and I cried. Because I realized I never asked myself a question, Gail, what do you want? Now I like to change that to what do I desire? You know, like that. What do I want? So, whether you're in relationship or not right now, it's like be very clear what you don't want, what you do want, and I'll touch on this a little more this afternoon. There's been a transformation in relationships from economic necessity and um, social and religious obligation. The shift is to personal and conscious choices. And relationships do not go bad. We are responsible for our choices as to whether or not we learn how to make relationships work. It's our responsibility. All right. Give yourself permission to realize what you know and what you don't know. Take a little sip here. When you stop wanting to acknowledge and know, you stop learning. When you stop learning, you stop growing. When you stop growing, you stop living. So I don't think there's anyone here that doesn't want to be loved, acknowledged, respected, valued, and validated. And validated. <laughs> and these things are shown through acts. Through acts. 
We shift this idea of relationships only being a noun, I have a relationship, or I'm in a relationship, to a verb. Relationship as doing acts and being. Being. See if you're willing to look at relationships as a living organism. A living organism that must be fed and must be nourished with love and compassion and understanding in order to grow strong. Many enter relationships to see what they can get out of it instead of what could be my contribution in this relationship. What could be my contribution in this relationship? So I said earlier about practicing daily. Many of you know this. Many of you know this. But you've placed yourself into an environment conducive to realizing your spiritual being going through a human experience. And that, even though you may have heard some of these things before, I really want you to look and see whether you're, you're making this a conscious choice and a daily practice in your life. Many of the times people would ask me how I was after Norman passed, and they'd say, how are you, Gail? And like that. And I'd say, I'm living with no regret. I'm living with no regret. So I ask you to look at at that in your relationships. So how do we practice daily? Now I'm not just talking about your significant other, your husband, wife, lover, and even or, or your kids or your siblings or your parents. But you know those are very important, of course. Do you acknowledge them? Do you let them know that you appreciate them? Do you tell them that you value them? Do you say, I love you to them? I tell my husband, John, every day that I love him. Every day. And I don't think he's tired of it yet. And I don't think I should even say yet. Do you tell people what you love, value, and appreciate about them and what it is that you love, value, and appreciate about them? I took a full scat piece of paper, you know, like the kids use, and I marked down all the things that I love about John. He's a very humble man, rather shy. And I gave it to him, and he said, oh, dear. (laughs) I said, now don't put this away. You know, have it where you can read it and be reminded how very much I love you and what I appreciate about you. Now, 
you don't have to do a whole full scat, but you know, just look right, just look right now. Who's one of your most important relationships? Get that person in your consciousness for a moment. What is it you love and value and appreciate about that person? Have you told them? If that person this afternoon died, would you have a regret that you didn't? Yeah. Do you do kind things for the people in your relationships? Be kind, being kind to them and do kind things for them. Your significant relationships, do you kiss? Sometimes I watch people in a restaurant, and they're obviously husband and wife. They sit down, they order the meal. I've watched them on cruises, actually, and they ask for a, a table just for two. And they sit down, and they hardly talk to each other. So, but, you know, getting back to this kissing. Norman and I never parted without kissing whether he was going to the store or wherever. It's the same thing with John. He was still sitting at the breakfast table and I came down and I said, before I put my lipstick on, you know, like that. It's never too late to start that again if you've stopped. Do you do three a day? That's 20 a week, 1,000 a year. At age 60, 60,000. Some of you may be wondering how old I am, how young I am. My great-grandkids, my great-grandkids are from, they're actually step-great-great-grandkids, but I do have my own grandchildren. And next year, I will be celebrating my 70th birthday. And, and when I threw myself several parties at 65, I did. I said, I'm going backwards now. So right now I'm 61, and I'll keep, keep doing that, yeah. I'm still looking at this, this daily um, application, daily application. Getting back to this kissing, did you know that a kiss set, sets free neuropeptides, and just get this, 200 times stronger than morphine and combats depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you watch if you criticize or do you just give positive feedback? Do you speak highly of your relationships, especially your significant ones, in front of other people? That is so powerful. You can almost see them standing somewhere else, overhearing it, and they go, and kind of stand up a little straighter and kind of smile a little. Another thing I love about him, another thing I love about him, he's so, she's so, and something that, that's, that touches you. Don't keep that to yourself. Don't keep that to yourself. Just as a little aside, I've had the privilege as a minister to be with people when they made their transition 
whether they're friends, your parents, your loved one. You can whisper to them. You can talk to them. You can tell your parents they did a good job with you. You can tell those significant others what you love about them. Don't think that just because they may appear to be unconscious, they don't hear you. I've talked very much about my own near-death experience and my late husband's near-death experience many years ago, and there's far more there than you think there is. There's still consciousness there. There's still consciousness there. All right. Give love surprises, however that may look to you. Give love notes. I tell this story whenever I speak about relationships, and this has to do with an uncle of mine. My mom died when I was 16 from cancer, and I was asked to go and live with an uncle and aunt who had no children. And um, they were very much in love. And I noticed that they kissed each other all the time before they went out the door. Guess where I learned that? There. And he had a wonderful sense of humor. And his name was Uncle Sinky. It's a funny name, but it's a Ukrainian last name, abbreviated. (laughs) Ah, Or a Polish last name. And I was about mm, 30 years old, and Father's Day was coming up. And I bought a special Father's Day card for him. And I wrote down what I loved about him. What I valued about him. And the difference that he had made in my life. And I sent the card unusually early. And on Father's Day, the phone rang, and it was his wife my Aunt Terry. And she said, Uncle Sinky cried when he read your card, Gail. And he said to me, no one else except you, dear, meaning his wife, had ever told him that they loved him. And she said, Uncle Sinky died on the golf course this morning. Do you think I was happy that I had sent that card instead of a regret? It's good to develop other interests in a relationship. Good to develop other interests. When I do a wedding, I always include, if if they are willing, the bride and groom, uh, Cahill Gabron's writing on marriage from the prophet let there be spaces in your togetherness and the winds of, let the winds of the heaven dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of your love. Rather, rather let it be a moving sea between the shores of your soul. Stand together, yet not too near together, as the pillar and the, as the something, cypress and the other tree. Stand apart and not in each other's shadow. So it's about having spaces in your togetherness. (laughs) I was visiting my son who's in the audience today and he was showing me their house that they had just moved into and took me downstairs. He says, this is my cave. 
So he's got his own space that he goes to, and I'm sure they enjoy it together. But, but that, that's good. That's very good. Face and communicate. If you do not want to communicate, that is telling you the more you need to communicate, especially if it's something that could be conflict. Conflict isn't bad. It's a clash of ideas. How are you in conflict? Which path do you take? Do you take the path of learning or do you take the path of protection? And that's another whole workshop. Won't go there. And listen. I do a workshop called Love at the Core, and that's where I met John, actually. And one of the whole three-hour modules is learning how to listen. Most people are in their head thinking up what they're going to respond to whatever's being said. That's truly being with them. Uh, a book that I just want to quickly recommend, and you may have had it here, or you may have even had workshops about it. It's Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. Does it, do any of you know about it? Fabulous book. It talks about that we each have love languages, or we, we, we each f- feel the sense of being loved different ways, either from different words, words of affirmation, quality time together, receiving gifts, acts of service, or physical touch. And there's a questionnaire at the back you can take and, and realize what yours are. And John and I both took, the, took that questionnaire. We both realized that our, our highest way of feeling loved is through touch and then through words. So it's important to know how you feel loved and it's important to know in your significant relationships um, wh- how they feel more loved. Because sometimes somebody's just doing, doing good things and bringing gifts, and that's fine. But, th- but they're hungering for a touch. Or they're hungering for, I love you so much. I appreciate you so much. Like that. So it's important to know that. So... I said earlier about my third point, and I'm going to wrap this up very quickly. Shifting from thinking that you're in love to being as love. It's not God in us. We live in God. We live in God. We live in love. One of the affirmations I was working with for two years I love the life I live, and I live the life I love. Even when there were problems, I I affirmed that. I love the life I live, and I live the life I love. So see people, not only your significant others, see them and acknowledge them as love, even though... They may be reacting or acting up or whatever. Realize that is a call for love. I'm sure you've all heard that before. So I want to ask you one last question. What if when you make your transition and you're in the realms of light wherever 
And the question is asked you, how well did you love? How well did you love? So in review, are you willing to um, realize that this is an art and are you willing to learn it? Are you willing to live it? Are you willing to live consciously as a lifestyle? and apply some of these things daily, even though it's nothing new here. We're just reminding. We're just reminding. So I'm asking you, you know, are you willing? There was one program I saw, I can't remember what, where it was on TV, there was a Peter Walsh, and he, talk, he talks about being stripped down, and it was about dealing with people that had their relationships were breaking apart. This is what he told them to do for seven days. For seven days, no cell phones. No texting. I'm not talking about when you're at work, though. Okay? No texting. No computer. No email. No TV and no iPods. Prepare and eat healthy food together. Clean and organize any messes in your environment and hug each other and say, I love you every day and tell them at least one reason why. Wow. Wow. Now some of us would go, <laughs> with that? So I just, I just want to thank you for being here. You bless me. I haven't spoken for a long time in front of a church audience. So um, you give me my life back as far as doing that. Yeah. So I want to say namaste. God's presence within me acknowledges and salutes God's presence, power, and love in each and every one of you. Namaste and thank you. Thank you.